Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. Lance Reisland is going to join us as he always does in the second half of the pod. But we're going to do something we have not done here in a little while due to the holidays and, and different things. So we are doing a Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here to start 2024. Questions from our Football Insider subscribers. If you want to get involved, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get all that info and get signed up. Okay, Mary Kay, let's get to it. This is what everyone is thinking about this week. I feel like, I guess we have to pretend this is a big story. Uh, Hey, Mary Kay, while Coach Stefanski did not commit on who will play and who will not against the Bengals, do you have a list of, quote, please, God, don't play, or these six or seven must get a rest for Sunday? This comes from Abe in Huntington. So, I'm assuming we're going to get some answers on Wednesday from Kevin, at least a little bit as to who will and won't play on Sunday against the Bengals. But I'm wondering who would be, and and Abe is wondering who would be on your list. Well, you know, first of all, I would rest Joe Flacco. So I would definitely do that. Uh, He's had a whirlwind time since he's been here for the past six weeks. Uh, He needs to catch his breath for a minute. So I would definitely do that. Then you don't want to play Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore coming off of injuries. Elijah with a concussion, Amari Cooper off of a heel injury. Uh, So that's kind of a no-brainer to me. Uh, You're probably going to have to play um, your running backs a little bit, but I would play a lot more Pierre Strong, that's for sure. Uh, You don't have a bunch of offensive linemen that you're going to be able to rest because there just aren't the bodies to have uh, you know, five backup offensive linemen out there. But, you know, if you can, you know, rest Joel Batonio a little bit and let Michael Dunn start there for him. Um, you know, you could probably rest Wyatt Teller, um, maybe play Nick Harris at center a little bit. So, you know, give those guys a break for sure. I would not play Miles Garrett, even though he has NFL Defensive Player of the Year on the line and could use a few more sacks to uh, strengthen his case a little bit more. Although in every, you know, betting site that I see, he's still the number one odds on favorite to win the award right now. So uh, that's one thing to consider. But, you know, for the most part, I would be uh, taking most of my injured guys out, including guys like Denzel Ward. He's been playing hurt. Yeah, so most of the guys that you can rest, rest them for as much as you can. 
Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, the numbers game, they're going to have to play some guys. They can't just call up the whole JV squad. And one of the other interesting wrinkles here is if they have to call up their kicker and punter again from the practice squad, that's two guys that they won't be able to elevate. So somebody's got to play in this game, obviously. But I, I think you've got a, a pretty good list there. I, I don't know, like maybe Dalvin would be on that list. Maybe Z. I, I don't know. So, you, you know, you get a lot of Alex Wright, and I, I don't know who else. Um Isaiah McGuire. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is a big week for Siaki Ika. But yeah, I think they'll be pretty careful going into this game because as much as guys are talking about momentum and everybody was saying the right thing on Monday, the reality is as, as much as you'd love all of that, you just can't afford to lose a key player right now in, in a game that just carries absolutely no meaning. Yeah, you really can't. And they do want to finish strong. And I do think that there is something to be said for keeping the momentum going. I mean, if you finish the season with a five-game winning streak, you know, that would be a really cool way to go into the playoffs. And I think they're going to do that. Uh, But I think they can do it with their depth. I think they can do it with their backups. Uh, They've had to play a lot of young guys. And, uh, and those young guys have risen to the occasion for them. I'm talking about the Ronnie Hickmans, the DeAnthony Bells, the Cam Mitchells. These guys have really come through. And, uh, and I think that will continue to happen. And it will give them good experience heading into the playoffs. Alex Wright is st- starting to pop a little bit. So if he gets some more reps, then he'll be that much more ready for the moment when he has to, to come up big in the playoffs. So, uh, so I think it'll be good for some of these young guys to get some of this playing time. Uh, you get, again, more for Ika. One, one guy, Dan, that I'm going to mention that needs to step it up and, and really be ready for the moment is uh, Cedric Tillman. I think Cedric Tillman needs to, um, you know, he really needs to do everything he possibly can to, to study, to, to talk to, you know, Amari this week to, you know, to study a ton of film, to practice a little harder than he has been practicing. Um, And I'm sure he's practicing very hard. I don't mean he's not. I just mean, even if he thinks he's working extra and overtime, take it up another notch. Um, His quarterback rating, when quarterbacks are throwing to him, the quarterback's rating is like 25.1 right now, according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, that's really bad. Uh, We have seen... Joe Flacco threw two interceptions uh, in Houston that were intended for Cedric Tillman. Three of his interceptions were intended um, for Cedric. And then in this past game, we both, you know, noted that uh, Cedric Tillman like broke off his route in the, in the end zone and on, a, on that fourth down play after the turnover, after Mike Ford recovered the kickoff fumble. Um, and they got no points out of that. And Joe went to the side, walked to the sideline angry. He was mad about that. And, you know, when you have Amari Cooper ailing, when you have Elijah Moore ailing, you're going to need your young guys to step up. Now, I think David Bell is showing that he's ready for a little bit more. I think Cedric is one where you can look at him and say, okay, now you got to put the big boy pants on. Now you got to step up and you've got to show that you're ready to go out there and perform in the playoffs. Yeah, it was concerning on Thursday night seeing that wide receiving core after Elijah went out and not having Amari um, that you just know nobody was getting open. And so, you know, you saw like said David Bell, all these guys, they all have roles in that receiving core, but it's not to replace Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore and, and all of that. So, so that was very concerning and they do need said Tillman uh, to be able to make 
some some plays more consistently and, and really get on that same page with Joe Flacco. Real quick one here, Rhonda and Wooster has a suggestion because you know we know about Joe Flacco's bonus, uh bonus money. Could you see the Browns playing Joe Flacco the first snap of the game? Maybe maybe he hands the ball off and, and get him that seventy five thousand dollars if the Browns go on to win. Oh, that's a good point. You know, I forgot about that. He uh <laughs> he he does have seventy five grand at stake. So uh, absolutely. That would be a little, uh, a little carrot to toss Joe to, to give him that extra $75,000, which he has certainly earned and deserves. So sure. Do that. Uh, good point. And, uh, I don't know if they, they would do that or not. Uh, what would happen if he got hurt on the first play of the game, right? What would we all be saying? That certainly wouldn't be worth $75,000, but, um, but he's got plenty more coming after that. So, um, so I'm sure they will, you know, they will take some of that into consideration. Yeah, I mean, look, $75,000 is nothing to sneeze at, but Joe's got a lot of money. He's made a lot of money in his career. And if the Browns, you know, win a couple playoff games, even go to and win the Super Bowl, he's got a lot more money coming his way. So I'm, I'm sure he could live without 75 grand. We should all be that, that lucky, I guess. Um, okay, let's move on. This comes from Dan in DC. Hey, Mary Kay, knowing we won't know until that week, which currently injured Browns players do you think are most likely to play in the wild card? Well, you know, that's a good question because I don't know if Grant is going to be ready to be back by the wild card game or not. Uh, and fortunately for them, they've gotten good safety play again, as we have mentioned, from the young guys. So if he doesn't make it back for that game, I think that, um, you know, if, if you can hold him out that game and let him get that much healthier for the more important divisional round and the AFC championship game and the Super Bowl, um, you know, then maybe you think, you know, maybe you can get away with him not playing in it. Um, but certainly they have three guys that they're looking at that might be ready to come back in the playoffs, and that's Grant, Anthony Walker, and Obo Okoronkwo, who has a torn pec. Anthony has um, a knee injury. So, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. I think they could survive without Grant. And, in you know, in a perfect world, if you could hold him out one more week, I think that would be best. But he might be ready to play. Yeah, and Drew in uh, Garden Valley, Idaho, brings up Oboe specifically. What are the chances he can make it back for the first playoff game? And at this point, yeah, obviously he hasn't gone on IR yet. Um, so at this point, they've kind of stretched this out enough that, yeah, I'm imagining they're not going to make that move unless they just get really bad news between now and, and whenever, whenever they have to make that decision. So it seems like maybe the wild card could be a little ambitious, but it kind of seems like all signs are pointing to Oboe trying to get out there in one of these games and, and soon. Yeah, he is trying. He's definitely trying, and that's why he has not had the surgery yet to repair this torn pec. So he wants to play. He wants to be a part of this. He was a big reason why they got here in the first place, and he certainly does not want to miss what promises to be a wild and fun postseason for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, who would want to play this football team? My goodness. So he definitely wants to be a part of it. And um, we'll see. I, we'll probably know more tomorrow when we get out there. Maybe we can catch up with him in the locker room. We saw him last week, but he uh, kind of snuck away from us a little. We didn't get a chance to ask him how he was feeling, but uh, he for sure wants to play. Okay, let's go to this one. This kind of goes um, hand in hand with kind of the resting, and it comes from Ken in Durham, North Carolina. He says, hey, Mary Kay, I found myself watching the Baltimore-Miami game last weekend, unsure of who I wanted to win. 
A Miami win would have given the Browns a small but very real shot at a home playoff game or even a first round bye. while a Ravens win, which is what happened, gave them this opportunity to essentially take a bye week. Basically, what he's getting at here is, was this is this outcome in some ways better than what the other outcome might have been? That's a great, great point, because if they had that slim chance of winning the AFC North and securing the number one seed, they would have had to go all guns blazing against the Cincinnati Bengals in the season finale. And in those tough games like that, you know, you do have a tendency to lose one, two, three guys. And if you lose the wrong two or three guys heading into the playoffs, it could make or break you. So there is a silver lining in the fact that the Baltimore Ravens locked that up this week. Uh, the, the prospects would have been for them to have to lose to Pittsburgh at home. And I don't know, even though those are tough AFC North battles, I still think that the, the Ravens probably would have rallied and have been able to, uh, you know, to win that game. So the Browns would have perhaps expended a whole lot of energy and maybe lost a player or two that they didn't need to. So there is definitely a silver lining and that is a great point. Yeah. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this too on Sunday as things were playing out. Did this work out better for the Browns in the long run? And I, a part of me wants to say yes, because of what, what you just said, right? You get a chance. You don't have to go all out here in this game for something that might not even happen. Right. But at the same time, I think about this team at home and on the road, and I think about the prospect of, now, this could change. They might not have to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl. It just depends how everything plays out. But the idea of potentially having to go on the road for three games, potentially having to go into Baltimore, and I know they won in Baltimore earlier this year, but that wasn't a last-second field goal. Um, so, And anything could happen in that game. The idea of having home games, is, I think, is more beneficial even than getting rest. Now, again, that wasn't guaranteed. It wasn't like a win and in. But I, I do think, I think had the Browns, had, had things played out to where they'd be playing for the North and the number one seed, I don't think anybody would be asking this question. So I think this is sort of a, a results-based question. But at the very least, they do kind of get to make this a bye week for themselves in, in a lot yeah, of they, ways. Yeah, they do. And, and I do think that that, is important. They've got so many guys ailing. I mean, Dustin Hopkins alone, uh, he probably would not have played this weekend anyways, because, you know, when you're described as week to week and the way that Kevin um, mentioned it on Friday was, you know, that Corey Bohorquez had a better chance of returning than Dustin Hopkins did. Uh, so he probably wasn't going to play anyways. So now he's got another week to try to be ready for the wild card game. So, you know, that's good. And there are a number of, of other guys in that situation. So that's all, that's all really good. Um, I agree with you hundred percent home home games would have been tremendous and hopefully for them, they will get one. Um, but home games would have been absolutely tremendous for them. Maybe they'll get two. You never know. Um, but, the, you know, they are so, so tough to beat at home. Of course, we know they went eight and one there this season. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be – it will be tough if they have to go into Baltimore and beat them. But at this point, I, you know, I, 
I feel like this Browns team is so strong and they're going to be getting so many guys back that I feel like they can beat anybody, whether it's at home or on the road. And if they just do their thing and not turn the ball over a bunch, I think they have a very good chance of going to the Super Bowl and they have a chance of winning it. Yeah. And Baltimore would be interesting if that happened in like the divisional round, um, depending how that first weekend plays out. You know, you get Baltimore with kind of two weeks off. I don't know what they're going to do this Sunday. I'm sure they're going to, they might get some guys out there a little bit, but they aren't going to have played a real game in two weeks. That's kind of a good time to catch Baltimore. So uh, maybe they should be rooting for the, for things to kind of play out to where they're going to Baltimore in the divisional round. Um, Anyway, Paxton Styles has two questions for us from Maryland. Uh, The first one is, I think it's kind of the question on everyone's minds about Joe Flacco. And I know it's something that you addressed in your Hey MK column this week. Hey, Mary Kay. Would Joe Flacco accept a backup role to Deshaun Watson? Considering the Browns got caught off guard with the backup quarterback situation early on, it might be nice if he stayed. Well, you know, I suppose it depends on what other opportunities he gets. He's going to be turning 39 in January, probably right on the day of a playoff game. And, um, you know, there, there hasn't, nobody wanted him this year. So will somebody see the value in Joe Flacco going forward? I would think so. Uh, will he get offers to be a starter outright? Maybe he might. Um, if not, then certainly he will get opportunities to either compete for a starting job or to have a chance to start if somebody else falters in that role. So I, I would say that, um, you know, the, he probably would have a better chance to play if he goes elsewhere, but this is a pretty good gig and he is loved here by the town and the team and, uh, you know, anything can happen at this point. So I think the Browns need to see how it all plays out and Joe needs to see what his opportunities are going forward. And then everybody can reconvene and decide after that how they want this to, to play out. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Joe wants to start, right? Like he doesn't want to be 39 years old sitting on somebody's bench if they're starting mm-hmm. opportunities. But also, I, he probably doesn't want to be 39 years old starting for some team that is going to win six games or something. Um, so he's got to balance a lot of different things. I do wonder what, how the Browns would kind of weigh this idea of having Watson and Flacco together in the quarterback room if Deshaun starts just let's say he comes out and starts slow first two three games and doesn't look like Deshaun it's gonna get a little dicey because everybody's gonna remember what Joe Flacco did and you're gonna have to deal with a lot of outside noise you might have to deal with a little internal noise even because those players saw what Joe Flacco did for them so that that's one thing that I think they do have to consider like if he's backing up Deshaun Watson and Deshaun struggles, they're going to have to be able to kind of block out a whole lot of noise um, in, in trying to let Deshaun kind of find his footing coming back from that injury. Yeah. I mean, it could open up a whole can of worms and, and places that you don't want to go. But I do think that Deshaun and Joe would, you know, I think they'd be okay together. I think they could coexist. I don't think that uh, Deshaun would feel like he had to be looking over his shoulder. And in the event that his shoulder wasn't ready to go or he did falter, then you've got an amazing backup and you can keep things rolling along. So I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. I really don't. I, I mean, I think it's doable. I think it w- it's just going to come down to a matter of uh, does Joe get a better opportunity elsewhere? I mean, there are going to be some starting jobs opening up next year. And, uh, 
you know, and he, he's going to have some chances. And I think that teams are going to look at him uh, in a completely different light than they did heading into this season. Okay, now Paxton's other question is looking ahead. Kevin does not want to look ahead to the wild card around, but Paxton does, and so do we. Hey, Mary Kay, what team in the AFC South do you think the Browns have a better chance of beating, and who poses the biggest challenge? You know, it's a great question, and I know, Dan, you're going to be writing about this some today. Um, So we are talking about the Jaguars, and we are talking about the Colts, and we are talking about the Texans, all on the road. Um, so the Texans would have CJ Stroud back. So that's a whole different ball game than the one you just played against them. So that's something to consider there. And then um, the Colts, I think that's going to be a, a com- completely different game because you're, you would have Joe Flacco instead of PJ Walker. So, you, you know, you're not necessarily going to have to rely on the foot of Dustin Hopkins to get the job done there. Uh, I, I think, you know, that's probably a fairly, not easy out, um, but that's an out. Um, and then the Jaguars, you know, they've already shown that they're a better team all across the board than the Jaguars, even with a healthy Trevor Lawrence, who was coming off of a high ankle sprain in the first game. So. I think they can beat any one of these teams. I think if I had to pick one, I think I would pick the Jaguars. I just think that that might be uh, the easiest one for them to win. Yeah, I would say either the Jags or or the Colts. Um, the yeah. only thing that gives me pause with the Jags is like they've been there before. They've won some playoff games. You know, Doug Peterson knows how to win playoff games. So that that's the thing that would give me pause with them. Um, I think the Texans with CJ Stroud are probably the toughest matchup. I, I think, I mean, I, I'm going to pick them to win no matter who they play. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, some of us were saying like, eh, you know, if CJ would have played in that, that Christmas Eve game, some of us were thinking about maybe picking the Texans in that game. So mm-hmm. um, if they're healthy and they've got CJ Stroud, that, that is a very different football game. I still think I would pick them to win. But I think the answer here is the Texans. And the good news is for the Texans, I'm looking at this right now, for them to win the AFC South, well, it's it's basically they win and Jacksonville loses. That's how they win the uh, the AFC South. So it's not all that complicated. But Jacksonville would have to lose to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. As you like to say, stranger things have happened. But it seems like this is going to be Jacksonville um, next week. Yeah, it does. And I, I just don't think that that is uh, poses a horrible challenge for the, the Cleveland Browns. I think they I think they've got that one. And uh, remember this, that Kevin Stefanski is 10 and 0 against the AFC South. Isn't that remarkable? 10 and 0 against the AFC South. They have the number of this division. And even though it's on the road, I still think they're going to be okay. The great equalizer, of course, the great equalizer is the turnovers. And Joe, in part, as we mentioned before, because he's still getting to know his weapons, um, you know, he's still throwing interceptions, whether it's coming off of tipped passes or wrong routes or whatever the case may be. Uh, He has eight interceptions in five games. And, you know, there were a couple that were dropped. Um, So, that's, you know, that's something to think about. The Browns cannot turn the ball over. They lead the NFL in giveaways. And normally you don't even get to the playoffs 
when you're this far down the totem pole in the turnover differential. And you probably don't get there if you lead the league in giveaways. So they're very fortunate. It's a testament to their defense, uh, to overcoming that horrible field position in, in many cases. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just got to be the thing that changes as they move forward into the playoffs. Okay, here's a light one from uh, Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, is this the most fun you've had covering a Browns team? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I remember, you know, I did have, you know, some fun back in the day covering the AFC championship games. Those were fun. Winning is fun for everyone. Winning is fun because everybody's in a good mood. The town's excited. Um, But I really like this football team. I really, really like this team because it's filled with a bunch of really good guys. There are no guys that are not on board. Uh, You just don't have the griping and the complaining. Um, You know, it's just, it's, it has been a lot of fun. Uh, Joe Flacco has, is the best story in the NFL this year, in my opinion. And so that's been, you know, that just added a whole new twist to it. I can't honestly say that it was a whole lot of fun when we were covering, you know, Deshaun Watson's strained rotator cuff. And then we were, then we were covering Deshaun Watson's fractured shoulder and Nick Chubb going down and Jack Conklin going down and all of these other things that were happening. A lot of it was not fun until Joe showed up. And when Joe showed up, it got really fun. And now we are in the process of covering what I think is the best story in the NFL this season. And, um, and I think the story can continue to be really, really good and even have sort of a Hollywood storybook ending. Yeah, I think the biggest point that you made there is like it's just so much better to cover a winning team. It just mm-hmm. is. And I know there's people out there that think uh, we don't want the Browns to have success. We don't like we'd rather it be losing and chaotic. And like, honestly, that stinks. I mean, you know, I started full time on the beat right when one in 31 was starting. And that was that was a miserable two years. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and the last time we got to cover a playoff team, it was COVID. So we were doing everything on Zoom. We weren't around the players. We, it was harder to write stories. It was just more difficult. So, yeah, this year has been it, it has been weird. Like it has been it hasn't always been fun. It hasn't mm-hmm. always it's it's felt like the long season that it has been at times. But like here we are getting ready for this meaningless game in Cincinnati and then it's playoff time and the playoffs are so chaotic and crazy, but it's so much better to be covering playoff games in January than what, what else we could be covering in January. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And it's just so funny when, you know, when we reflect on this season and we look back at it, it started with a long trip to the Greenbrier, um, you know, which was, you know, it was just unique. It was a unique way to start, training camp. And of course they started early because Joe went into the hall of fame. So where, you know, there was that, there was Joe. Um, and then, you know, they moved into a trip to Philadelphia. That was a five, six day trip right there where they practiced against the Eagles for a couple of days. So I felt, I feel like we've just been like on tour. I feel like we're like a rock, like a rock band and we just have, we're just on tour and we just keep touring and going at places. Like we just <laughs> never, we, like we live out of suitcases. <laughs> I, I still have, I think my suitcase packed in part from our, um, from our Denver out to LA trip. That was another one, of course. And we laughed because uh, some of us got an Airbnb 
And uh, I have to tell the story. Can I tell the story about the Airbnb, Dan, the funny little story? It depends what the story is. (laughs) A lot of people are going to interpret that like a certain way. Like, believe me, there's no like terrible, like behind the music story from this Airbnb. But I'm just saying it depends what the story is. Okay. I think this is okay. So in order to save our outlets, our news outlets, some money, we banded together (laughs) with several news outlets and we got this great, great Airbnb in uh, in the town of Westwood Village, which is the, the little town of UCLA. And it's amazing. There's shops and bars and restaurants and it's great. And we had a wonderful, uh, we had a wonderful condo, townhome with three bathrooms and balcony and all kinds of great stuff. So anyways, I just so happened to stay in this Airbnb with Dan and two other colleagues, Chris Easterling from the Akron Beacon Journal, Scott Petrak from the Brown Zone. And um, so I was out to dinner. We got back from uh, this big, long 10-day trip. And my husband, Bill, and I were out to dinner with another couple. And the, the other couple, they said to me, hey, how was your LA trip? How did all that go? And I said, oh, it was great. I said, I stayed in an Airbnb with three guys. And my husband turns to me and he said, you did? And it was just the funniest moment because somehow that got lost in the translation and he didn't realize that that was happening. And I'm sure I told him, and you know how there's selective hearing um, amongst some of us in yeah. in society, <laughs> uh, shall we say? And uh, so he missed that part. Somehow he missed that part. And it was just one of the funniest moments of the season for him to be like, you did? It was We, we got a good, good <laughs> laugh out of that. But it's been a unique season, hasn't it, Dan? I, yes. And I think when the season's over, we were thinking about trying this when we were all out in L.A. It just didn't quite work out. Um, but I think when the season's over, I do want to just get like Chris yeah. and Scott and Ashley and just get that, get it. I, Ashley showed up to LA that that weekend just get that group together and like just review the season just go over like this crazy season and I will say this season has made me appreciate covering the NFL more than any other because like I don't know how NBA writers do it I don't know how baseball writers do it like the trip to Denver and LA for two weeks that's nothing that's like two days in the NBA so yeah they um it definitely has made me appreciate that that side of it as well. Okay, let's do one more. And this is a callback to the, the podcast we put up on uh, Friday. And by the way, for those of you who were dealing with our Apple podcast issue and went and found that on Spotify, we appreciate that. Uh, it is up on Apple now. And I, I believe that issue has been resolved. So um, our podcasts are going back on Apple. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it with, with this one here. Uh, but anyway... This comes from the 804 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, just finished listening to the podcast where you picked the nine Browns people responsible for them making the playoffs. In all the discussions, I never heard the name Alex Van Pelt. Do you think the resurrection of the offense under Joe Flacco is mostly due to Kevin? And how much credit should Alex get for his role? And I will say there were a bunch of names that we left off the list. You know, we didn't bring up the Haslam's right in the checks. But Alex Van Pelt was one of the names in the back of my mind that like, had we expanded the list to 15, 20, I think he definitely would have come up. 
Yeah, he definitely would have come up. I mean, he's been tremendous. The quarterbacks love him. Uh, you know, you've got to be able to get quarterbacks ready to play, and he had to get four of them ready to play. So he's the quarterbacks coach in addition to the offensive coordinator. So certainly if we had continued on, Alex Van Pelt would have for sure made the list. Um, but I think, and you heard me say this in the podcast, we tried not to water it down too much. We wanted it to be just the very top, top people that if you took them out of the Jenga game, the whole thing would have fallen through. And that's basically where our bar was set, where we really wanted this to be like, they couldn't have done it without this person. Um, so I think it worked out okay, but certainly there would be a long list of honorable mentions. Yeah. I, I mean, there were names and people were suggesting some names to us. Um, and I actually have to go back and look at the poll that I sent out to our texters as well to see how that went. But um, there were, it takes all 53, right? To get to the playoffs, all 53. And then some coaches, trainer, like you could name so many different guys. I even mentioned in that pod, like Shelby Harris has been important to them making the playoffs, but you're right. We have to cut it off at some point to like the absolute top of the list. Um, because that, that makes it more interesting. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of names that we left off, but Alex Van Pelt was one that was kind of in the back of my mind of, of a guy who definitely has been a big part of this. Let me ask you something, Dan. Do you think that um, for purposes of that pod, and if you were to do it as a story or as a video or whatever, uh, do you think nine was the right number or did we go too far? Should we have kept it the top five or the top six, or did we not go far enough? I think nine was right. Now I do. We did mention in the pod that there was a pretty clear, like tier one, like we reached a point where we, we picked everyone that you would have put at number one on the list. But I think nine was good because it gave us space to put Deshaun Watson in there. Yeah. And honestly, after we got to nine, it was kind of like, okay, I think that's when we're getting into Again, if you want to add the Haslam's in there, I suppose maybe they could replace someone. You know, we left, I think we left Bill Callahan off the list. You can make a case that maybe he belongs as one of the top people. But I think we had the right number. I think it gave us space to leave some good people off. It's kind of like Hall of Fame voting, right? <laughs> you don't, you can't just right. let everybody in the door. So right. I, I think nine was the right number. Yeah, that's why I was thinking about that because um, as a Hall of Fame selector, you know, we start with, you know, a a massed quantity of people and then you whittle it down. And by the time you get into the room, you know, you are deliberating on like 15 people and you have to get that down to five players essentially. And um, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. So um, I hope people understand that when they're listening to it, that, I mean, yeah, we left really good people off of there like Denzel Ward did not make the top nine. And, and certainly if you kept going and you added two or three more people, he would be in there. Um, you know, we, I don't think we, we didn't have Amari Cooper in, in our top nine. Did we? I think we, I think, oh, I we? think Coop might've made it. Yeah. Coop, Coop might've made it, but okay, Ward was Coop, an honorable mention, but like, you know, like Joel, yeah. like Joel Batonio, yeah, what, you know, Wyatt Teller. Um, right. Right. You know, there's, so, yeah. there's so many guys, Martin Emerson, like we yes, could just go it, through a it list. Was, it was really hard, but there's a lot of really good players on this football team. And I think this exercise was just to say, okay, they could not have done this particular thing without these entities. 
yeah so go back and check that out uh get subscribed on apple Podcasts and spotify and that's right there in that feed uh like i said earlier become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page find us on instagram search orange and brown talk and on youtube search cleveland browns on cleveland.com we are not done yet uh, i'm gonna let mary Kay go and then we're gonna take a break and lance Ryzen will join us for his weekly film session on the other side mary Kay, i'll talk to you later sounds great and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. As we do every week, we welcome on Lance Reisland to look back at the film from last Thursday's game. So Lance, you've had plenty of time to break this one down. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing very well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. It is 2024. We are sitting here waiting for the playoffs. Uh, but first, there is a game, of course, to get to on Sunday. But before we do that, let's look back to Thursday. And I want to ask you about two guys. One of them had an absolutely enormous play in Thursday night's game. That was Ronnie Hickman, his touchdown, uh, his interception return for a touchdown. And DeAnthony Bell has been playing well too. So Juan Thornhill is back. Eventually Grant Delpit's going to be back, but I'm just wondering what you're seeing that's allowing Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell to be able to step in and still be effective at those positions and, and really kind of embrace that next man up mentality here. Well, credit to them, right? So when you, when you're in that role, the big thing is, and, and I was just listening, I was, listening all day about, you know, the, the college championship games and how Michigan look fast and how what and be playing fast is because you're prepared. And when you're prepared, I've said this to you many times, you, if you're thinking your feet aren't moving and that's a credit to them because the game wasn't too fast for them. So when they came in, they know what they're doing. So the little things, they get lined up, right. They know where their help is. They know where their leverage is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So they, so the game's not too big for them. They're well prepared both physically and mentally. Uh, Hickman, you know, Hickman graded out at 92%. You know, that's a shocker. I, I know Tim Bielek, he liked him last year when we did our podcast, uh, you know, for the draft and, you know, leading up to it the last couple of years, he's been a really good player. He's got tremendous ability and he played for uh, Knowles at Ohio State, which the safety position in Ohio State's really a complex position, uh, very NFL-like in terms that you have run fits and you have uh, a lot more roles than just playing a half safety. So that interception was he was the whole player in a, in a Tampa two kind of look, or and it looked like a one high hat, and there were some things that went along with that. But he's just a really good player. And then you know he graded out at ninety two percent, which is the best of all the safeties uh, according to PF, uh, PFF. And then D'Anthony Bell, you know he had five tackles, two tackles for a loss. You watch him; he's super aggressive. Uh, again, play multiple positions, uh, cover multiple position, can play a linebacker, can blitz, uh, really good tackler space, uh, space, good on special teams, plays with great energy. Again, he fits that second level defender that Schwartz likes with all those um, uh, that versatility. So two guys, most importantly, they were ready to play and they knew what their job was when they came in and the game hasn't been too fast for them. And when you say next man up, it, it, it really, it, for the Browns this year, that's been a reality. And they have done it to a T and those guys have been ready to play. And that's a credit to Stefanski and his staff and those players. And and those guys become, those guys remain important, even if Delpit comes back um, in part, because you don't know, like can Delpit play a full load. We don't know what he's going to be able to handle when he comes back, if he does, but also this is a three safety team. So, you know, with Rodney McLeod out for the year, one of these two guys or both of these guys to some capacity are going to be asked to step in and be that third safety. Sometimes that guy plays nickel. Sometimes that guy, you know, whatever, whatever Jim Schwartz wants to do. So it's how do you think each of these guys fits when that safety room is healthy and when they're looking for that guy to sort of take Rodney McLeod's spot? Well, I think they could both do it. I think, you know, Hickman's a little bit more guy. He's a back end guy. He uh, He's a guy who can, uh, he has all the physical tools, right? So he's big, he's fast, he's long. 
D'Anthony Bell is a guy who is a um, a guy that doesn't have all the physical tools, in my opinion, but he's just so energetic and he plays with such passion and he kind of overcomes that, right? So I think Hickman has a chance to be a star because he is so long and he's got uh, great range and he can cover multiple positions and all that stuff that Schwartz like to do. So I can see him kind of being the guy um, who can play both down in the box and deep. Uh, I think but D'Anthony Bell gives you such versatility that I think he can play strong safety. He can get in there in the box and nickel. He can do a bunch of different stuff too. So he kind of gives you that um, what they both give you is you don't have to change anything. And that's been huge when you're a coach that you don't have to, you know, the play sheet is still 100% when they're in the game because they're so well prepared. And I think that's huge for the Browns is that they defensively, they're, they're simple, but they're, they do things, you know, they do enough things, um, but because they, they all know it and they're all able to play so fast. So I think it's just the idea that, you know, I think Hickman can be a star and I think Bell, uh, you know, it has a lesser role, but can star in his role and still be great on special teams and still, and, you know, you saw that last night in the Michigan game. You got to play great special teams. You got to, so he can, you know, he can fill that role and play multiple positions and do multiple things and uh, brings great energy and passion. So both guys super fit uh, uh, for what Schwartz wants to do and, and they're ready to play. And, and I think they're both going to help because uh, I think you're right. They need three, three and a half to four guys that can play there. Okay, I came away from Thursday night's game with one concern. It wasn't a new concern, but it was still a concern that kind of cropped up. And that's, of course, like Amari Cooper didn't play. Elijah Moore left the game. At least one of those guys is, is going to be back for the playoffs. Uh, you hope Moore is able to get back too. Um, but, that, I mean, that was a scary injury. But when those two guys were out, and it was Sed Tillman and David Bell and a little bit of Marquise Goodwin. <clears throat> the passing game sort of stalled. And I'm a little, I'm still a little worried. And I've been worried about this going all the way back to, to training camp about the depth of the receiver position. I don't know if it's going to matter because Amari Cooper doesn't miss much time. His, <laughs> him missing that game was an outlier. But what did you see after Cooper and more went out. What did you see from those receivers? Was that just a case of guys being asked to do something that maybe they wouldn't normally be asked to do? Or is there real concern there? You know, I think Seth Tillman's going to be fine. He's a big, long athlete. He's he's shown some signs. Uh, you know, Bell has struggled with separation. Uh, I think that's part of his, you know, they're going to have to be creative with him. But the good thing that I see with this is that they have guys that can separate, Najoku being one of them. So, you know, everybody always says, you know, with, with Stefanski compared to like McVeigh, and there's a b- bunch of difference. But one thing is, is that Stefanski is a system guy. So that's why Flacco has been so good. That's why they've been able to play four quarterbacks, because this is his system. And when you have a system, everybody has a role. So as much as Goodwin hasn't touched the ball, he has blown the top off a bunch of time, which opens up those underneath routes. And there's some things that go with that. So uh, I think with Flacco as your quarterback, those guys just have to make sure they're in the right spots uh, where they're, when they're supposed to be there. And they're going to get a touches. And I don't think it's about quantity with those guys. Again, it's about quality. Can you have a big catch when you need it? Can you get a big catch in the red zone? Uh, can Tillman, you know, Tillman's predominantly, you know, I remember going back to camp, watching him day in and day out. You know, predominantly when you're a young guy, he's the outside number one receiver. You know, he's running comebacks, he's running digs, he's running posts, he's running, you know, he's very outside oriented. Well, he's going to have to learn some more stuff, you know, be on the right and left side, be able to play in the slot, be able to motion, be able to shift, be able to do some different things. Excuse me. So I think that's just a matter of practice. Um, But yeah, there's an area of concern there, especially with guys who uh, be able to create separation. But again, going back to Stefanski being a system guy. This is okay with him because he just needs to make those guys need to make sure they're going to the right spots and making the catches when they're available to them. This is not no, this is no longer a quantity offense. Uh, Sides Cooper, this is a 
you know, you got to have a quality catch when it's necessary, a quality run. You know, you have 40 yards rushing, but there's three first downs in there. You have four catches, but three were for first downs. There's stuff like that where it's just keeping the sticks going, making a big catch, keeping a drive along, drive uh, going, et cetera. So that's why they've had success. A lot of guys are touching it. Uh, they're going to the open guy. Flacco does a good job of that. Uh, there's some concern. Um, if you're relying on the uh, receivers to, uh, to win you a game, I don't think those guys can do that. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be what they're asked to do. So uh, we'll see moving forward, you know, with that ability, uh, that inability to separate. Yeah, and, and we did see that little, once again, it just seemed like a, a little miscommunication between Joe and Cedric Tillman, um, where it was on the fourth down <laughs> attempt right before the pick six. Mm-hmm. And we saw Flacco kind of motion to Tillman. He didn't seem very happy with it. So it still seems like those two just aren't on the same page. Well, yeah, when you look at that route, so it, it, you're back of the end zone route, and, and I would be willing to bet that he wanted him to flatten that out because he was at the back of the end zone, right? So when you're a quarterback, it's really hard to throw on an angle, like a slant or like a post kind of thing because of that back line. So what Flacco wants him to do there is he wants him to make that cut. He had that guy in his outside shoulder. He wants him to flatten that out um, <clears throat> because then it makes an easier throw. He can separate from the corner better. And once again, that's just reps and how many times has – you know, said Tillman run that route with Joe Flacco. I mean, as, if they practice it every day, it would still only be, what, five, ten times? So, and, and they probably haven't. So that's just going in the film room and Flacco literally saying, hey, we're inside the ten. you got to flatten it. I can't make that throw. Because um, when I looked at it, that's just what it was. He's just got to flatten it so he can make that throw. Okay, so I want to ask you one more thing. I'm just really kind of curious about <clears throat> We're going to do our, our preview pod Um might sound a little bit different in some of the spots on uh, on Friday, but we'll still have you on to kind of talk about the Bengals and, and what they do. Uh, but I'm curious as you go into a game like this, and it, uh, you know, there, there's nothing at stake here. The Browns are locked into the fifth seed. The Bengals can't make the playoffs. Uh, we don't know as we're recording this what the Browns' approach is going to be. Kevin <clears throat> Stefanski might enlighten us a little bit on Wednesday. Um, I would imagine Joe Flacco's not going to play much, if at all, and a bunch of other starters too. So what do you look for in a game like this when, when you're watching this film? Well, you know, somebody asked me that uh, this morning. And, you know, there's not 80 guys on the roster. There's only 53 guys on the roster. So some guys are going to play, you know, and it might not be a lot, but some guys are going to play. And you're going to see a lot of guys, those second unit guys. Uh, it'll be a good showing because they play so many guys. You know, a guy like Alex Wright, he's going to play a lot. You know, and he, you know, he's played a bunch. So there's going to be some guys who play, uh, but they've created such depth. Now, as a coach, you know, you, one of the one of the terms that um, I think is highly overused because you, if you don't have it, you have no success, but the word culture. And I don't mean overused. You have to have culture, but people say they're going to build culture. Well, this is to me, this is a culture thing, right? This is, does everybody play hard? Everybody has a job to do. These guys know on this team, uh, most of the guys who are going to play on Sunday have played a lot this year, have played a lot of meaningful minutes this year uh, because of the injuries and because of how they use their depth. I mean, <clears throat> so there can't be a lot of, uh, you know, you don't want a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, the old adage of these guys are pros. Well, this is a great thing. They're pros and there's a check at the end of the game for them, right? So they got to make sure that they're doing the right things. And you want to have the right, uh, there's going to be some old linemen that play. You know, there's only, what, seven, eight linemen on the route. You know, there's only so many guys. So these guys are going to play. Now, I think they're going to keep it simple. The run game is going to be very basic. The pass game is going to be very basic. They're going to try to run the clock. Both teams, Cincinnati doesn't have anything to play for. So there'll be a lot of 
Um, you know, they're going to try to keep the clock moving. I, I see that, but they got to play well uh, because culturally they want to make sure that they're playing at a high level. You're trying to get a 12th win, which is big uh, in the NFL. If you win 12 games, that's a great year to win 12 games in the NFL. And, and I think those guys just have to play hard, um, you know, make sure that they're in the right spots. Um, I don't see any issues with this game whatsoever um, with Kevin Stefanski watching them being right down in there watching them practice for two years. This is not going to be an issue. Those guys are going to know what they're doing and they're going to play well. Yeah. The culture thing, right. It, it is always <laughs> easy to to talk about your culture when you're winning. And, and I always think like, you know, culture is easy to talk about, but I, you shouldn't have to tell me what it is. Like you shouldn't have to tell me what your culture is about. I should be able to look at you, how you play, how you practice. I should be able to, I should be able to tell you, like when you are coaching Garfield Heights, right? I should be able to come and watch you guys and say, okay, this is what you guys are about. If you've got to tell me what you're about, then you've got a problem. Oh, there's no question. So one of the things at the high school level is everybody says, I want to, you know, these are young kids and I want the, you know, the kid itself is more important than the football. Well, that's obvious, you know, and that's, if you have to tell me that as a coach, then, you know, I, the whole thing is, I want you to tell me you're, you want to win and you're going to do everything you got to win. Because if you want to win, then you're going to make sure your kids on, you know, kids in class on time. You're going to make sure that the kid uh, is doing the right things out of school. You're going to make sure that he's doing, treating people right and following the rules and doing all that kind of stuff. Same thing in the NFL, right? You shouldn't have to go in and, and you know, th- this should not look a hot. Now the talent might not be as good on Sunday if they don't play all the guys, but their effort, their execution, getting lined up. Uh, you might have some holding penalties, but they should get lined up. There shouldn't be any, um, you know, not a lot of offsides. There should be all those things, that, the controllables, right? So control the controllables. That's what a culture does, right? So these guys will line up and these guys will make plays. And, you know, depending on who Cincinnati plays, they might get overwhelmed a little bit, but there shouldn't be a lot of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't play hard moments on Sunday. They might get beat because they're not as talented, but that's okay in the situation. Just got to play right and, and, and do the right things. Um, so you're ready to go if your number's called. Lighter note here, your question of the week. All right, so I got I got a question, and then I got just a, a yes or no a question at the end. So two questions for you today. Number one is what holiday season? Obviously, we know there's tons of stuff going on, and we go to all these parties, and and everybody has family over. What are your top three side dishes, regardless of the main course? What are your top three side dishes for any meal? Like, doesn't matter if it's holidays, doesn't matter. So it's just you have top a meal, three. you get a steak, you get a burger, you get a chicken, you get. What are your three top sides? Gosh, see, this would be easier for appetite. Can I include an appetizer? Um, I say yeah. I say it's an appetizer. You can go apps. Okay, because I'm a big mozzarella stick guy. Okay, I'm just gonna like so that's not really like a side, but yeah, okay. you know that's that's a big one. Um, how about onion rings? I like onion rings. Onion rings got to be crispy though. They got to be done yeah. right. They got to and they oh, got to yeah, be no, the, they... and they got to be the big ones. They got to. I don't. I'm not a big. I like the big ones. Big crunchy. Yeah, if they're like soggy and gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. They've, okay. they've got to be like good, good crispy um, onion, onion rings. On, That's another onion good rings is solid. Um, see, I'm thinking a lot of burger stuff here. Um, mm-hmm. Anything, but like potatoes are always like a winner, right? So if we're talking like, I mean, if we're talking like a steak. It's great to have like the the baked potato or the, or mashed potatoes, like the really mm-hmm. good mashed potatoes, not just plain boring, but like really good. Oh, no, got load potatoes up. to go with that steak. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's the answer there too. So, keeping it kind of traditional there with the with the onion rings and the now fr- now look, a good French fry always hits. 
but it's got to be like a good it's got to be like a good french fry like i hate when i go someplace and get a burger and then the french fries are just like nah not all that great no, i need crunch on the outside soft on the inside i need the double yeah. the double fry no there's no question about it i'm a, anything potato right so i think i'm gonna actually go out there i think crispy crowns you ever have crispy crowns with your kids a little like the little tater tots the flat tater oh tots? okay yeah 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 they get the crunch those are yep. those are the best and then i go mashed potatoes with sriracha um and 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 it's just a good salad. I think a good salad's a great side to get started. I didn't um, think about a salad, but yeah, that's that's not bad. Yeah, that's a good choice. Another thing of mozzarella sticks. You got to have mozzarella stick. It's got to be a well done mozzarella stick. It's got to be the cheese has got to be right. It's, the crunch has got to be yeah. right. All yeah. right. So my second question for you, and this is an interesting one because we all do this, is when you give somebody a gift card, is that a thoughtful or a non thoughtful gift when you give somebody a gift card? So I've heard this debated recently, <laughs> right? Like, are you are you better off just giving them the cash, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you get somebody uh, a hundred dollar gift card, you're kind of saying you have to go spend this there, right? You mm-hmm. have to go spend this at Target, or you have to go to this restaurant. Yeah. Whereas if you just gave them the cash, it's like, well, there you go. There's hundred bucks. It's yours. Spend it how you want. But I will argue in favor of the gift card <laughs> if you get it right. A okay. gift card tells you how well you know a person. So if you get them the, the <laughs> gift card, whatever amount, if you get them the gift card to the right place, that's like, yes, this is our place. We love to go here. Thank you. We're going to use this. We go here once a month or twice a year or whatever it is. That hits more than just giving them cash. So I think it's about knowing the person and just nailing the kind of gift card they would want. Do you think a gift card or a gift is better? Like, so, you know, this person gift card or gift, what do you think is more, what do you think is, what do you think somebody wants more? What do you think? I think it's, I think it's person to person. I don't okay, think this is a, I don't think it's a one size fits all. Yeah. Well, I like, I, the, think... I like the, I like the argument with the gift card, knowing someone where it's at. Um, but you can miss, I... like you can miss with a gift mm-hmm. card, right? Like you get somebody a gift card and it's like, <clears throat> I don't have any interest in using this, right? You've got to, the gift card has got to hit. It's got to be, you got to be certain that this is a gift card they're going to use. Well, yeah. So if I get like, if I get like a hardware, I'm a non-hardware person. If I get a hardware, <laughs> you know, if I get like Ace, I'm like, that's just somebody, that was the first card somebody saw and they got me. But now if you get me, you know, a restaurant that I like, get me a pizza place, you know, uh, then I'm in. All right. I, I like that answer very well. I didn't, I didn't really have a thought on that. I was just thinking, cause I've got some gift cards that, you know, I got for Christmas. I'm like this one, this person was like, this is re-gifted. Cause they, they just gave this to me as opposed to <laughs> See, no, a couple people. No. <laughs> No, I would be all about the Ace Hardware gift card. I'm a big Ace guy now. All of a sudden, so yeah. like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a Home Depot. I'm a Home Depot Lowe's guy. I just the, the whole I, the mass quantities. It's like a listen. Costco no, kind. no free ads here, but this is a free ad. Ace will change your life. Ace is it, huh? Okay. Oh yeah, you, you the Home Depot Lowe's whatever too big. Ace, perfect. Listen, I've been perfect I've been with size. You perfect vibes ace is ace is the place for the helpful hardware or whatever that See, is not that is not an ad they're not paying us nothing that is a that is a free promotion for ace hardware that's what i'm looking for though when i started working with you i'm looking for advice so ace is it all right i appreciate that i appreciate that <laughs> now sometimes too with the gift card you get one especially when i was younger right like somebody got me like a gas gift card and i'm like cat that's boring a gas gift card and then i filled up my tank like twice and i'm like oh cool yeah this gift card is awesome no it's absolutely (laughs) like it's boring but practical i'm all about proud i'll do practical for sure absolutely yeah 
Okay, there we go. <laughs> this is this is week eighteen talk right here. Absolutely. Uh, all right, with Browns nothing Frank- on, with nothing on the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll be texting you about that during the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Browns Bengals week eighteen. That is Lance Rison. He will be back for our Browns Bengals preview pod later this week. Lance, as always, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. All right, and before we go, I do have to remind everyone. Find us on Instagram, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and find us on YouTube. I gave you all that info before I let Mary Kay go earlier. Thanks to all of you for listening. <laughs>